One of the biggest plagues of our culture is what we would call the orphan spirit. And the orphan spirit is somebody, uh, orphan mindset is somebody who grew up in insecurity. They grew up without knowing who they are. And when they came to Jesus, they, they thought it was all about performance. They didn't really ever receive that sense of stability in Christ. And so most of their activity in life is driven by pride and insecurity. Okay. We believe in a transformation of heart that says, you know what? No, I know that I'm loved. And I know that I have a destiny, but I don't serve in order to receive love. I serve because I'm loved. Welcome to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast, Resurgence Initiatives Podcast. Our heart is to see a movement of leaders released in all spheres of society and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Never before has there been such a need for good leadership. We're on a journey to be equipped, encouraged, and empowered. Join our conversations as we talk spirit-empowered leadership and see God's kingdom at work through God's people everywhere they go. Hey, I want to welcome you. My name is Travis Salonia and welcome you back to the Spirit Empowered Leader podcast here with Donovan Beyer. Donovan, how are you this week? Oh, I'm doing great. It's so good to be back. It's so good to uh, just unpack some more things about being a spirit-empowered leader. Yeah, we're excited this week. We have a special guest that's going to join us uh, right away here, Michael Brodeur, and he is a dear friend of mine. Uh, he has actually been a coach of, of mine. He he started coaching me, Donovan. Um, he actually reached out and said, hey, I want to study you guys as a movement because God wow. is doing movements in this day, and I want to study you. And cool. so that's how our kind of relationship, friendship grew, and I just, I just love him. He has been such a... Um, influential person in our ministry in my leadership journey. And one of the things that he talks a lot about is destiny moments. He has a whole thing called destiny finder. I'm sure he's going to talk about it, but destiny moments, moments that um, change you, you know, as a leader, as a spirit empowered leader, and we're, we're talking to leaders, not just in the church, but leaders in all spheres of influence. There are key moments, aren't there? That in our leadership, that that are defining moments. They're they're the game changing moments. They're the Sidney Crosby in the uh, Olympics in Vancouver yes. for those hockey fans out there. <laughs> yes. they're the moments that you watch the replay later. But I, I think we all have those. Uh, hmm. What what's some things, Donovan? You destiny moments, game changers that you can remember. Yeah, and it's, it's cool because sometimes you know in the moment that it's a destiny moment and other times it's like years later where you realize like God did something really special then and now it's paying off or we're seeing it come full circle. Uh, but for me, it was at Bible college. So I went to Bible school at Columbia Bible College in Abbotsford, BC. Absolutely love that place. I had an amazing uh, couple of years there. But my second year there, I, I realized there's three different Bible schools in Abbotsford and there's a Pentecostal one. There was Columbia Bible College, which was Mennonite. And then there was the, the Fresh Fire Ministry School. And I realized that as three campuses that had a similar heart of, of training and equipping leaders and, and, and teaching the Bible, there, we didn't do anything together. Like there'd be the odd hockey game or there'd be the odd like dodgeball tournament and we'd get that sort of thing together. But we didn't do anything that was intentional or that was more to do with uh, worshiping God or learning together. And so 
I started these things called the Unity Nights, and I just invited people from Fresh Fire School, from the Summit, for from uh, from the Pentecostal School. I think at the time it was Summit Pacific or something like that. And we all got together, the three campuses, and we had three different nights where we worship God together, where we had amazing teaching. And and I remember the first one we did at Columbia, we did it in the chapel, and. And just the amazing words that were spoken over my life during that event and just how it went. Like there was a lot of momentum. There was a lot of buy-in. It was just really meaningful and really impactful. And it's cool because that kind of set me on a course to desire these sort of citywide expressions of worship, these sort of citywide unity movements. And uh, who knew that what God had in store for me a decade later uh, or longer was to be part of a, a movement here in Edmonton and believing for a move of God across Canada that is often expressed through unifying the churches. It's just been really cool. Uh, but yeah, Travis, what about you? How are some, uh, or how have you experienced some destiny moments in your life? Yeah, you know, there's, there's so many like you. It's like, okay, which which one? I think when I was, um, you know, working as an engineer, I had this call. I knew there was a call to ministry, but I honestly mm. was okay with just like making lots of money and funding ministry. You know, um, I was doing the engineering thing. I was at an oil company. It was going great. But yet mm -hmm. there was this voice, this like, is this it? Is this it? Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, I've shared this before. You're like, is it God's voice? Is it the enemy's voice? Or is it the cheese pizza you ate last night? You know, yep. and you're like, Absolutely. God, what does your voice sound like? And I remember mm -hmm. that was such a destiny changing time where I was like, okay, I could do this, but God, I feel like even there's good Christian people in my life and my boss and all this, but yet I hear your voice and I feel like I need to quit my job. And I wow. quit that job with nothing to go to, handed wow. in the company truck, had to have my friend drive me to the cell phone store because I handed him my cell phone. You know, wow. I had to get a car, like everything. And I thought, and I woke up the next day and it's like, okay, now what? And um, God led me to go serve a ministry for eight years. And for wow. me, that was a destiny changing moment because during that time of serving, I had at times frustrations and things where I'm like, oh, I could do this different. I could do that. Mm. But what God was doing was he was tempering me. He was forming wow. in me. And there was moments where I wanted to quit, but I didn't quit. There was moments where I wanted the stage, but never got the stage. I, I There was moments where all these things where God was developing me because I chose to serve someone else's dream. And, um, hmm. and so I look back in those seasons in the season, like you said, I was like, this isn't destiny moment. This is destiny, you know, killing, you know, I don't know. You know, I just, yeah. I was fine. I was happy, but it was, mm -hmm. it was what God, or what is my purpose and what am I supposed to do? And I, I remember the defining moment was I started to apply for some jobs and yet resurgence has started, but no one was working for resurgence. We didn't have money to hire someone. So it wasn't mm. really, it was a joke. Hey, someday we'll work for resurgence. It'll be amazing. Yet it wasn't there. And I remember I applied for a job with a big national uh, campus ministry in Canada. And it was an incredible opportunity with business leaders. And the headhunter interviewed me and he said, would you be willing to raise money? Would you be able, you know, if if we hired you and, and you know, this would be so great. And I hung up that call and I thought, this is a great stepping stone. And right away, the spirit of God spoke to me. And I just felt this question, stepping stone to what? If I'm going to take a job that I'm already planning to leave, why don't I just go to the job that I'm going to leave? And then all of a sudden I had this thing, stepping stone to do resurgence full time. 
And mm. it was through a series of events from that moment in my car where God led me to end up going full time, leading this ministry um, wow. and, and believing God for it. So it's those destiny moments. And sometimes they're insignificant and they're but they, they change us. And I think, you know, as a spirit empowered leader, how, how do we be led? <laughs> you know, it takes us recognizing, OK, I'm being led by the spirit right now. I need to respond. You know, I don't know. Exactly. That's for me. Yeah, and it, it's cool because some of these moments for some of us might be where God sets us up and we're in that place. We didn't have to earn it. We didn't have to work for it. We just realized we're where we're supposed to be. And we just feel the delight of God and 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 that like, I don't know, that empowerment of the spirit wherever we are. And for others of us, those destiny moments might take big steps of faith. And uh, it sounds like you took a huge step of faith uh, in that season in your life to really walk in the destiny that God had for you. But again, that all comes back to being led by the spirit. And that that's something I think that our guest is also really passionate about is that as leaders, we need to be led. And and here's here's what I'm also reminded of. And my wife, Jess, reminded me of this just a few months ago. Um, I can tell the story of those destiny moments. You can tell your story. Um, but she she said this and she said it with great love. But she said it a little firmer, you know, when sometimes our wives yeah. say it just a little bit of and it, and, oh, yeah. it, and it's true. And we're like, I can't refute what you just said. She said, are you going to tell that story for the next 10 years or are there wow. new stories that God's calling? And wow. I'm like, oh, so good. <laughs> Lord, do something new. What's the next destiny moment? What are you doing mm. in this season? What Amazing. what are you doing in the future? How are you leading me? Because spirit led isn't spirit led one time. Totally. It's a journey, isn't it? And Absolutely. sometimes that's not an easy journey. And um, I'm excited for Michael today. I just think so um, it's going to be so good to talk to him. He's been a coach mm. and pastors and and um, a coach to me. And I think, I think he's going to talk about this today. Well, we're really excited today to have a dear friend of mine. Actually, I connected uh, with our guest today, Michael Brodeur, a uh, number of years ago. And he had just volunteered and said, I want to get to know you. I want to coach you. I want to hear what's happening through the Ministry of Resurgence. He has given hours of his time uh, to invest in Resurgence. He's been a guest at, our, at some of our events and conferences. He has been just uh, such an encouragement to me over the years. But Michael is from uh, Sacramento, California. He works with Jesus Culture, with Catch the Fire. He has pastorscoach.com. Um, he's written a book on revival culture that if you haven't read it, you need to, you need to get that. And um, just has been a leader of leaders, um, has been someone that has, uh, when I read his, even his blog, it just spoke to me of where the church is at and where the church is going. And he just sees things being a pastor in San Francisco for many years, one of the large moves in San Francisco over the years. Um, but he flows in things of being spirit led. That's his heart. That's his life. And so, Michael, we are so glad to have you. And just thanks for doing this. Oh, it's so good to be with you guys. I'm so excited about our conversation, how it's going to work out. Yeah, well, why don't we just, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you were raised in San Francisco, coming out yes. of kind of the Jesus revolution, <laughs> the Jesus movement. Uh, tell us kind of how your journey started and, and uh, where you, how you got to today. Yeah, well, my parents moved to San Francisco when I was three years old in uh, 1960. 
And they came to San Francisco because it was uh, alternative, progressive, you know, kind of counterculture place. Uh, my dad was a beatnik. He was an artist. And uh, and so we lived in San Francisco. They got divorced. And so I was back and forth between houses. I think I went to 10 elementary schools growing up. And uh, and so but when 67 happened, I was a 10 year old kid uh, on the streets of Haight-Ashbury during the uh, hippie movement sort of amazing thing that happened. And, uh, and right on the heels of that, the Jesus movement started. Okay. So at that period I was, I was involved. Uh, my mom kind of bought into the whole hippie thing very strongly. We ended up, uh, with, a she ended up moving in with a guy and we started a commune in the city and had, you know, probably at any given time, eight to 10 people living with our family. And they were draft dodgers and they were, uh, guru followers and they were, you know, um, just the, sort of the, new age people. I mean, it was all those people that were kind of rebelling at the time. And so we were involved in, you know, doing protests every weekend. We would uh, actually run our book for, uh, I mean, our, run our house for probably about two years on Mao Zedong's Red Book. I mean, we were like counterculture revolutionaries. You know, there was riots going on in the city. There was riots going on at the campus. So I was raised in that world. It, it was actually when I started hitchhiking around the nation at 15 years old, I started to meet believers. And that was probably right now, you know, probably about 1972, uh, somewhere around that time. So I started actually hitchhiking and and uh, I probably covered about 30,000 miles in Canada and, and through Mexico hitchhiking. But I'd, I'd meet believers and they would share the gospel with me. There was one particular day I had six rides in a row with believers. And finally, this notorious Jesus freak picks me up. Her name was Sabina Ball. And she uh, witnessed to me and I fought her the whole way, 25 miles. And then finally, she said, would you like to pray with me? And my heart just kind of yielded. And I said, sure, I'd like to pray with you. And so she and her driver kind of prayed over me. And uh, and that's when my journey with Jesus really began. And uh, it was a couple of weeks later, I had this uh, amazing kind of open vision of the Lord. But then beyond that, you know, it was just a slow process because the way I was raised, you know, the Bible was written by an evil king, according to my parents. Um, you know, I had no no trust in scripture. I had no understanding of basic uh, Orthodox Christianity. And so it took a while for me. But then uh, on another trip, actually into Montana, I was going to a big uh, hippie gathering called the Rainbow Gathering. And I met some Blackfoot Indians and they were believers. And they invited me to live with them. So I lived with them for uh, six months, and it changed my life. They discipled me. I, I read through the whole Bible. I saw miracles take place, and it just transformed me. And then they, at the end of that time, they said, well, we've taken you as far as we can. You need to go get training. So I came back to the Bay Area. I looked up different uh, Bible schools and finally found this group that was going to plant a church in San Francisco that year. And they did on-the-job training. And I said, that's for me. So I joined this group named uh, uh, Gospel Outreach. They had the Lighthouse Ranch up in Eureka, California. And in 1977, I moved into San Francisco with this group. We started house ministries, taking people off the streets, witnessing, gosh, usually five or six hours every week, uh, working jobs. 100% of our income went into the ministry. We do Bible studies every night and every morning with uh, people who came off the streets. And that was my life. We planted a church and I met my wife at one of the big outreaches we hosted. 1980, we've been married almost 42 years in three days. It'll be 42 years. And we have seven kids. But uh, everything changed in 84 when I met John Wimber. And uh, 
<clears throat> he was traveling with a guy named Lonnie Frisbee. And so I hung out with Lonnie for about six hours and, and it changed my life. I went to a conference with John Wimber and got touched by the Holy Spirit and God began to do miracles in San Francisco. So within a short period of time, the Lord spoke to us to plant a vineyard church in San Francisco. And that church uh, became one of the largest churches that the city had seen in a generation. And uh, it was just a phenomenal time. Uh, we went into several, three different major seasons of revival. We trained hundreds of leaders. We planted more than a dozen churches and, uh, and uh, left the vineyard in 2000 after Wimber died and stayed in the city for another 10 years. So 33 years in San Francisco. And then the Lord said, you're done. It's time for you now to begin to do what I've commanded you to do, which is to be a pastor to pastors and a leader to leaders. So I started coaching pastors and leaders around the world and uh, based in Redding, California, and now just recently moved over to work with Banning Leapshire and Jesus Culture Church. So we're super excited. But in the process of that, I began to work closely with some dear friends of mine at Catch the Fire. And that's where, um, you know, they, that, that movement began 29 years ago with a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Millions of people visited Toronto to experience what God was doing there, literally millions, and uh, like three and a half, four million people. And uh, we actually embraced that at the time. We did 18 months of nightly meetings during that time. But then uh, we kind of lost touch with them, but then they invited us in to start coaching their ministry and their movement and churches. And uh, then they invited me to come on staff with them and be part of their uh, global apostolic team. So I work half time with Catch the Fire, half time with Jesus Culture, and then I do other stuff on the side. So anyway, that's a quick sh snapshot of my life. Um, but hopefully I stayed within a 10 minute framework. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing that story. It's just amazing to see how God has had his hand on your your life and he's doing amazing things through you. Um, I'm sure many of our listeners and, and those viewing are curious, what, what does it look like to be coaching leaders? Like what kind of, what kind of things are you doing as you walk alongside leaders these days? Wow. Well, I mean, you know, because I'm obviously a died in the wool charismatic, um, you know, we really believe strongly in the word of God and the spirit of God and the combination of word and spirit working together in leadership, but also, you know, since since the original ministry I was part of, I've also had a strong passion for the restoration of the five ministry gifts outlined in Ephesians 4.11. And um, I have a different approach than many people. I don't believe it's all about government. I believe it's really about equipping the saints. In other words, the most important verse in that passage is not verse 11, which talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The most important verse is verse 12, equipping every member to be functioning in the fullness of who Jesus created them to be. And so I believe that that is really the essence of the body of Christ. Every member functioning at their maximum capacity in Christ and maximum character of Christ and Christ likeness, maximum maturity so that we can be the body of Christ on the earth, transforming the earth. So that's what we actually are focused on is really helping churches to maximize the mobilization of every member for ministry according to their God-given design and destiny. And that's really all about leadership. It's what leadership is. It's basically every one of us functioning in the fullness of who we are in Christ and bringing that blessing to whatever sphere of inter interaction we're in, whether it's in the home, whether it's in business, whether it's in a school, a hospital, or in the ministry, in churches or in other places, that we are called to be representatives, ambassadors of Christ, bringing his transforming power to this world.
So good. Um, we we are, you know, the podcast that we're on and we're, we're doing is this whole spirit-empowered leader. How do we um, lead wherever we are, as you said, in the home or in, in church ministry or, or wherever he's called? And, and what I love about you, Michael, is you carry such a passion for this. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and it's not just the person on the stage or the platform, but it's how do you empower everyone? And so where does spirit-empowered leadership start? How, how do we, someone's watching today and go, I, I, I know I need to be spirit-empowered. I'm a, I'm a mom. I'm a dentist. I'm a teacher. Where do, right. where do I start this journey? Well, well, I think the first place is in a paradigm shift. You guys have heard that phrase before. It's a, it's a, a shift in the way that we see reality, that we have to understand that when Jesus died, he commissioned us, every one of us. And that commissioning isn't just um, some generic sort of just be a good person. It really has to do with actually leading others. And that's go and make disciples. That's all about leadership. And he gave that to every single one of us. Go and make disciples and then teach them, uh, you know, and teach them to do everything I commanded you, which is making disciples. So we're talking about multi-generational discipleship. And so that really is the basis. Okay, that's the sort of the, 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 the foundation stone of leadership altogether. Now you'll lead at higher levels, lesser levels, greater capacity, greater specificity of function, all those things are real. But unless you grasp, unless you engage the understanding that every one of us is called to be a leader, you may say, well, gosh, I don't feel like a leader. I'm just a janitor at a high school. You know, you say, well, no, actually, at least you're called to lead yourself. At the very least, spirit-led leadership is all about engaging with the Lordship of Jesus in your personal life and following his leadership. But that requires self-leadership. In fact, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, meek, all those things. And then it gets down to the final one, which is self-control. Or the word we would use is self-government, self-leadership. In other words, the foundation, the starting point of all leadership, all spirit-led leadership, is the ability to connect with Jesus and lead yourself in the Lord. Or be spirit-led. That's another way of saying it. Um, and so how, if someone's saying, okay, I, you know, I didn't grow up open to the things of the spirit. I grew up in maybe a different context, but, but, but I know that God speaks, he's alive, that the spirit is moving. How, how could they start engaging in that to be go, okay, how do I lead myself led by the spirit? I get that, Michael, I get that, Don, I get that, Travis, but how do I actually do this? Yeah. Well, I think the next step then is to really take some time to pray through a destiny discovery process. Okay. Now, again, I've developed a whole website called destinyfinder.com that actually we just completed it. I don't even know, Travis, if you've seen the most recent uh, version of it, but we, we had the profiler existing, but then we just instituted the mapper, which takes the profile, who are you in Christ? and really starts to move towards where are you going and how you're gonna get there. So basically, the first thing is discovering, you know, and, and the part of the discovery process is looking at your life. How has God led you up to the moment that you are in at this time? And part of that is, what was your childhood like? What kind of indicators? Because God knew you before you ever knew him. 
And so he's, he's constantly been giving you clues and even allowing some circumstances in your life that would shape you towards the leadership he's called you to. And again, we're talking about leadership in the home with your kids. We're talking about leadership in your own personal life. We're talking about leadership in ministry or in the church, but also in the marketplace. Okay, so what are you called to do? So we do a gift discovery there of the Ephesians 4 gifting, the Romans 12 gifting, and then the 1 Corinthians 12 gifting. And each one of these kind of address a different aspect of your nature and character as a, as a person. But once you have that, then we ask you some questions about your passion and your dream. In other words, if you had no limitations of time, energy, and money, and talent, and you knew you could not possibly fail, what would you want to do for God? Because that dream question, that idea of, gosh, what am I heading towards? That's the, the destination, the destiny of your life. And we're assuming that to some extent, if you've known Jesus for any length of time, that God's already been working in you to fashion and clarify and purify that calling, that sense of destiny and purpose. And so we help you to discover that. And then we lead you on a transformational journey where you map both the skills you need to gain to do that, you map the character transformation you need to engage to be that person. And then finally, we help you to think about your relational structure. Because one of the things we're committed to is that you, that, that you can't pursue your destiny apart from community. And that involves even spiritual mentors in your life. In other words, if you're going to lead others, you've got to learn how to be led. And, and led by the Holy Spirit for sure, but also led in the real world. You know, read, led with real people, because in the same sense as how can you how can you love God whom you can't see if you can't love your brother whom you can see? I would ask the question, how can you submit to God whom you can't see if you can't submit in a, in a obviously in a healthy way to those that you can see? So anyway, I, I think that that journey is literally that's life. You guys, that that is walking with Jesus. So it's exciting. Yeah, Michael, that's just so good. And and just for those of you who are listening, we'll we'll post all the links to the things you mentioned in the the show notes. So don't worry if you miss the link. Um, but I'm just curious, Michael. Um, one of the things that, as somebody who leads leaders, that that I've seen as a character trait that is extremely um, like the, the leaders I like to work with, a good character trait is teachability, willingness yeah. to grow, willingness to be led. And so, mm -hmm. why don't you just speak a little bit to just the importance of having a teachable heart as a leader? and uh, what it looks like to, to be a leader who submits to, to others. I know you mentioned just the importance of being led, but I'd love for you to speak to that a bit more. Yeah, no, it is, it is such an important issue. And, and I think that the, um, obviously one of the biggest plagues of our culture is what we would call the orphan spirit. And the orphan spirit is somebody, uh, orphan mindset is somebody who grew up in insecurity. They grew up without knowing who they are. And when they came to Jesus, they, they thought it was all about performance. They didn't really ever receive that sense of stability in Christ. And so most of their activity in life is driven by pride and insecurity. Okay. We believe in a transformation of heart that says, you know what? No, I know that I'm loved. And I know that I have a destiny, but I don't serve in order to receive love. I serve because I'm loved. So that, that stability actually produces a security of heart that allows you to have a teachable spirit. In fact, you know, when I was a pastor, that was the only non-negotiable <laughs> in our leadership choices. 
who, the people we would choose to pour into and mentor, we just say, wow, you can lack every skill in the Bible. <laughs> but, and I can teach you those skills. But if you lack teachableness, if you lack humility, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I can't walk with you. And so again, but the challenge is, is that, you know, to be led, you know, requires that level of submission. And really it comes down to the Lordship of Christ, that we need to be able to understand that Jesus is more than just our savior. He is our Lord. And so to the extent that he is the Lord of my life and to the extent that he guides me into a certain relationship, I need to be open to his leadership coming through the voice of others. And that's, you know, that can push your buttons. You know, I've, I've had some challenges in that area. I've been a little bit defiant at times, but I've also learned how to humble myself and be some, in fact, it's interesting even being here at Jesus Culture because, you know, I have a daughter, Banny's age, but he's my boss. And so I've actually, even though I've been a senior pastor for 25 years and now lead my own ministry, I still understand that in order for me to serve Banning well, I have to be able to submit to his leadership and his leadership style, not just the direct things he tells me to do, but the way in which he does it. Because I might have a different philosophy of leadership than he does, but because God's called me here, he's the one I account to. So it's fun and it's always good. You know, it's always character transformational. So anyway. Yeah. Just love love your heart to always be learning. And one of the things that I've heard you say over the years, and I mean, we could go so many ways with this podcast because every time I meet with you for an hour, it's never enough time because we, we, we talk about different things and it's just the leadership principles that you carry have been so instrumental in my life. And But one of the things that I heard you say, and I haven't forgot this, is and you were talking in the context of churches. You're like, there's there's factory type churches and there's fantasy mm-hmm. churches. And, and, and what I want to get as when you talk about that, you're talking about you have a mindset. You're after the things, you're spirit empowered. You're, you're a leader that's spirit empowered. That's been first and foremost what I've seen in your ministry that has led you as, as you shared your story. And yet you have such a capacity, which the engineer in me really appreciates, for structures and systems yeah. and process. Yeah. And so you have this, you know, idea where we can just, well, God's going to do it. He's going to. And, and I'm thinking as a leader, not just in the church context, but as a leader where we can be like, OK, I got a big prophecy and I got a big dream and I got a big thing and God's just going to do it. And there's also the practical side of right. systems and process. Oh, I'm going to grow as a leader. Well, OK. And you, you would say to me, well, how's that? How are you going to do? What are the next steps? You know? Well, again, you know, when we talk about spirit led leadership, we're talking about the supernatural and the super practical working together. Okay. And, and that's where most leaders either side on one or the other. Okay. So you have the supernatural leaders that want everything to be spontaneous and their measure of a great service was I stood up to preach, but I couldn't even open my mouth because the Holy Spirit was so present. You know, it's like, in other words, they they would side on that side or gosh, you know, we just, you know, all laid out under the power of God for the next four hours. Um, and, And obviously I love those kinds of things. But then on the other hand, you have the people that are going after the practical, the super practical. And they feel like, well, if we just engineer it carefully enough, we can actually produce the outcome that simulates the Holy Spirit. And so and and I believe that we can actually bring the two together. And I believe that that's the purposes of God. And so as we bring the two together, how do we do that? How, how does that work? And so what we do is we actually work with pastors to talk about the relationship between the two. 
And right now, because I'm working in a charismatic setting for the most part, you know, most people are fairly fluent in the Holy Spirit reality. They don't know how to build structures that that facilitate Holy Spirit connection. And so that's what we've been talking about. The idea of fantasy factory and family are as three different models of churches. Fantasy churches where we just go through the motions every Sunday, but we never really move the needle. You know, we never really make a difference. And so it's kind of like we exist to continue to exist, you know, because we're not winning souls. We're not making disciples. We're not producing the outcomes that Jesus desired. We're not training leaders. We're not planting new churches. You know, we're basically stuck, but we're having a fun time every Sunday doing it. Okay, that's kind of fantasy church. Okay, on the other hand, there's been people throughout the last 50 years that have said, no, that's not enough. We need to actually make a difference. And so you have like Pastor Cho inaugurating small groups. Then you have that taken by a guy named Ralph Neighbor, and he puts a small groups to a new new level. Wimber did the kinships. Then you have like G12 and some of the other small group facilities. And these guys are all spirit filled mostly, but. <clears throat> But their idea is, is that if we can structure it rightly, therefore we produce the outcome. But in many cases, because of that orphan spirit issue, they end up creating ladders to climb. They end up creating, um, they create systems that are not based on biblical values. Okay. And basically the statement is, well, God has anointed me and my vision is so great that God brought all of you here to help me fulfill my vision. As far as I'm concerned, that's a factory church. Okay, it's, it's using program, it's using structures, it's using systems in order to produce a benefit to the pastor. Okay, family's different. See, family, although it's the organization of family is important, family exists for the benefit of the next generation. Factory exists for the benefit of the owner. And those two different statements, if you play them out, produce two different, entirely different value systems. And ultimately, insofar as church and leadership is all about culture, you know, as you guys have seen online, the, the statement, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you guys have seen that, but the whole idea, Peter Drucker said that, but the whole idea is that culture is based in values. And if you have a good system, but it's based on um, comparison, competition values, you're going to produce a factory. If, on the other hand, you have family values where pastors exist to raise up the next generation, to send them forth to be even more effective. I mean, we all say we do, but we don't build structures that produce that result. And that's the problem with most of our effort. And so we don't see family is the model of heaven, you guys. It is the original structure that God created on the earth when he made Adam and Eve. Family is God's greatest vehicle for manifesting kingdom reality. But family depends on an ethic that says the next generation is more important than me. I'm important, but I'm not as important as they are. Therefore, Psalm 127, like like arrows in the quiver of an archer, he takes them, he, he shoots them forth to achieve greater things than could ever be achieved. And so my, my priority becomes the development of the next generation, not the delegation to get my jobs done. Oh, you can stack my chairs. Here's a broom. You can, you can sweep my floor. Here's a curriculum. You can teach my children. Most churches are fairly good at delegation, but they're not very good at development. We want to switch that. We want to say developing, being a mom and dad, raising up sons and daughters into full maturity and then releasing them into kingdom activity, whether, again, it's in the home, whether it's in the business world, whether it's in a school, whether it's in a hospital, that to release them into kingdom activity in every different sphere, 
is the key to effective leadership in a family model. Well, that's just so good. And, and I can't help but think about the ministry of Jesus in what you're saying um, on, a, on a multiple levels. Like, first off, he developed his disciples. He didn't just delegate work to them. He he invested yeah. into them. He loved them. He he was present to them. But and then I think of that structure versus or not versus, but structure and spirit kind of flowing together, even in Jesus' yeah. ministry. Like we see he makes plans. He goes on trips. He, he preaches sermons. I'm sure that was a lot of preparation. But then we see so much happen as he's going. He gets interrupted, right? He has things come up and he just follows God's lead. And and I love in John where it says a couple times that he only did what he sees the father doing. It's just such yeah. his, his life was such a beautiful picture of these these rhythms. Um, and, I, and I'm just curious, Michael, what so so you've kind of given an example of how this plays out in the church. Um, but how do you see this playing out for leaders who who are in different spheres, leaders who are not pastors or leaders who are not ministry leaders? How do you see this whole structure and Holy Spirit flowing together for those leaders? Yeah. Well, first of all, obviously, there is that tension between <clears throat> having systems and structures and having spontaneous obedience to the immediate guidance of the Holy Spirit. And we have to be tuned into both realities. And I believe that God gives us permission within the scripture. I mean, the fact that Moses met with Jethro and Jethro said, Moses, you're going to kill yourself doing this. You need to appoint leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of tens. And God then took that structure that, that he was advised to build and said, now take those elders and bring them up onto the mountain and we'll, we'll anoint them with your anointing. So there was a combination of the anointing, but also the structure. Is it, is it coincidence that Jesus chose 12? Because there's 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus repeated a structure. Is it a coincidence that he chose 70? Because that was the number of the elders that received the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus actually was mimicking, I think very intentionally, the Old Testament dynamics to create a new creation, to create this new vehicle for influence in the world around us. And so it's interesting how Jesus paid attention to even those specific things. But then he brought his disciples on his journey with him. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And then he turns around and anoints them with power and authority and sends them out. So the Holy Spirit dynamic is kind of back and forth. It's like we've sort of made enemies out of them. Well, if you want the Holy Spirit, you can't have structure. Or if you want structure, you can't have the Holy Spirit. No, we've made enemies out of friends. We need to bring those friends back together. But see, leadership, it's interesting. Leadership cares about two things, the development of people and the development of the organization. Now, whether that's a church or whether that's a family in your home, there's an organizational structure that requires everyone to be on the same page together, walking together and building the same thing with their unique, diverse gifting. OK, but at the same time, the individual matters. So the individual can't be subservient to the organization or they get diminished to the point where they don't matter. They're just a utility being used by leaders. And sadly, many leaders just use people as a utility. They don't care about the well-being of the person. They just care, care about the well-being of the product. Okay. But we need to understand that in the kingdom, both are important. Okay. And we need to create a win-win relationship between the two. Okay. A great, you know, the biblical uh, basis for that is 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 4. 
Okay, First Corinthians 3, they're dealing with this division between, you know, some are, say they're of Apollos and some say they're of Peter. And, so, and they're fighting over that issue. And Paul says, I, as a wise master builder, have laid the foundation. Like Paul steps in, he asserts himself as their spiritual father, as their master builder, and says, no, the organization needs to exist. Now, I've laid the foundation. Let every man take heed how he builds on that foundation. So we're talking organizationally. Some of you, we build, we're building a house. Some of you are plumbers, some are electricians, some of our, our masons, you know, some of you are, are woodworkers. We, we all have our unique role, but we all need to build according to the same blueprint. But then you flip over to, to uh, 1 Corinthians 4, and he says, I, as a spiritual father, have begotten you. You have many teachers. You don't have many fathers. I am a spiritual father to you. And that insinuates also the personal dynamic. And that's what Paul says later in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He said, Timothy, take what I've given to you and give it to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That sort of developmental dynamic in four generations that Paul defines in that place. So we see Jesus building in generations, the 12, actually the three, Peter, James, and John, the 12, and then the uh, 70. And then we see the same thing in the, in the writings of Paul. So we see God has a strategy for building, but he's also saying Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. So it's like, how do we reconcile those two realities? They're both, they're both precious. Yeah, and it's also the, you know, we've talked about this, but also um, as resurgence, we've, we've kind of over the years, when I, when I started, I really felt I saw a lot of um, leaders leading and and they would use kind of team members but the team members were part of the team but they weren't really the, the key person it was it was a bit of a factory models i've just witnessed and so when we started resurgence i almost flipped the other way i remember one of our first emails was about 55 emails on what color the first poster should be you know because <laughs> i wanted team involvement and team and and realize that through the years that the team has to be i mean we've said this resurgence it has to look like family like how revival right. looks like family resurgence looks like family but i'm also know that in family that um, it's not just a safe place. And sometimes yeah. we think family's a safe place and it's just everyone, but uh, you still, you have to have vision. You have to have a drive. You have to have growth that happens in each one of us. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not growing as, as the leader, if those who are leading with me aren't growing, then we're, we're going to hit, we're not going to fulfill what God's called us to do. That's right. And that's where, you know, the, the idea that family is a safe place to belong. Well, yeah, if you're six months old. But if you want to fulfill the true role of family, family is not just a place to belong. It's a place to become. To become everything God's called you to be. And, and a wise leader will facilitate that. Okay, well, a wise leader will build an organization that facilitates personal growth. And build personal growth in a way that facilitates the well-being of the organization. And that's where most most churches, most church splits will come from the problem of not honoring those two realities together. OK, most family dysfunctions will be where the where the individual either took advantage of the organization or the organization took advantage of the individual. We have to be wise as leaders to be able to see that both are important and both are kingdom. And so how do we then prioritize personal as well as organizational. And how do we bring it together? Well, that's where the key is.
And that's really what, you know, this developmental dynamic kind of overlaid with this idea of specialize, well, let's call it specialization. Okay, so if every one of us is gifted different according to 1 Corinthians 12 or according to Ephesians 4, if every one of us is gifted differently, then part of the role of a leader is to not only bring alignment. In other words, you're working off the same blueprint that I'm working off of as we work together, but assignment, alignment and assignment, that we want to make sure that people are in, a, in, in, in their lane, that they're building in the house according to their specific calling in God. Because that's where they're going to be most fruitful. That's where they're going, to, they're going to be most fulfilled is when they're doing exactly what God's called them to do. And so a wise leader won't just stick people into a job. They'll look at the gift mix, the wiring of the individual and bring them into a, a level of service that actually corresponds. Because I believe in service. In fact, I recommend it as one of the highest goals, a family church uh, or a family organization, like even your, your existing family, delivers five elements. Okay, identity, community, maturity, responsibility, and destiny. Those five elements are key to a healthy son or daughter being raised up and sent forth. And that dynamic, actually, responsibility is key. You know, if a kid doesn't know how to clean his room or make his bed or clear the table, then he's probably not going to be a good adult someday. You guys understand? And so as pastors, as leaders, as people in the marketplace, as family members, we can't just say, oh, son, I'll do it for you. I'll clean your room. It only takes me five minutes. It takes you 20 minutes to do it if I have you do it. But the problem is if I do it myself, I rob them of the developmental process of moving into greater maturity and responsibility. That's really good. Um, so one of the kind of undertones that I'm getting is, is as leaders who are led by the Holy Spirit, our focus is on developing those under us. It's not on just building our own name, growing our own organizations. Like obviously right. that's part of it, but that's not just what it's about. Um, and one of the things that I've been thinking about as you've been chatting is just how much this leadership can make a difference in the world. Uh, and in a lot of ways, it's pretty countercultural. And, and I'm wondering yeah. if you have any stories or if you've seen any ways that this sort of leadership has really made a difference, not just in churches, but maybe in other spheres of society. Wow. Yeah. Well, again, I, you know, I have a friend who's a very wealthy businessman. He sold his first company for $14 billion. And I spent some time. He's actually been one of my mentors and a coach to me. And he just said, you know what? The trend in modern business right now is people development. So we can go and do some job fair at a, at a university and try to recruit right out of university. But the people that we build in our own organization, this wasn't always the case, but this has become so much more because right now, I mean, somebody will switch careers five times before they find where they, where they belong. If we want to keep the best, we've got to be able to pour into them. And so a lot of companies, he said, like even up to 25% of their profits are going into maintaining and keeping the best, the, the, the highest level people by sewing into them, by, by paying for them to go to conferences, by continuing ongoing training and by rewarding them well. So again, we see that in the marketplace reality. And obviously I've, I've done that with my own team where I'm working with them on certain levels like that. And so we've seen that fruit with kids. It's super important. I mean, I know so many of the best families are the families that really do take the time. And I think probably my biggest regret was the degree to which I didn't, 
I treated my family as a family. We did Bible studies every morning. We were very careful about what our kids watched on TV. I mean, we were the good Christian family. But one thing I regret is that I didn't spend individual time with each of my sons and daughters like I could have. I did some, you know, I once a month I would do it. But I, I, in, my, in my church leadership, I was spending time with my primary leaders every week coaching them and working with them and perfecting them. And I just saw it as a high priority. I wished I would have seen it as as high a priority. I just thought, hey, we're a family. We're all together. Everything's good. But I think my kids would have appreciated a little bit more personal. So, you know, just these are the dynamics that, again, you know, now that I'm just turned 66 yesterday or two days ago, um, I'm just, you know, regretting some of the choices I made in leadership. And that's something that, you know, hopefully you younger leaders can learn from somebody like me who has made those mistakes and, you know, has had some false starts and, and has had some disruption in some of the leadership uh, experiences I've had. So, again, and we can talk about that if you want to, but we're almost out of time. But, but that kind of, you know, gosh, I have a big history of mistakes that also have served to help shape my philosophy of leadership now. It's interesting. That's actually exactly what I wanted to ask you about in some ways, because uh, I know there's going to be a lot of younger leaders listening to this. And um, I'm just curious, kind of how, how would you, from your own experiences, suggest that you kind of have that vision of development from the beginning, not just something that I can do when I've gained more skills or when I know more. But how do you actually set your heart on on developing? And, and again, it might come from some of the mistakes you've made or or things like that. But what do you want to say to like the 20 year old leader, the freshly yeah. graduated ones? No, for sure. And, and I, I just believe that in a church setting, everyone should be a mentor. Everyone should have a mentor. In other words, if you want to take the Great Commission seriously, which, again, if you take uh, Robert Coleman's book, which is uh, God's Master Plan for Evangelism, I highly recommend it. But he said Jesus had one plan for changing the world, and there's no plan B. It's disciple-making which our, our term for disciple-making is people development. That's what we do. We do people development. And you're not too young to start developing others. And you're not too young to start being developed. Now, obviously, most of us come from dysfunctional families, or at least dysfunctional to some extent. And so we've had to figure out what is healthy development for me personally. Okay, I've had to go through that as a person. And I was raised in a very dysfunctional home with a lot of drugs, sex and rock and roll, a lot of new age philosophy, a lot of actual physical and sexual abuse in my home. And so, you know, I was I had no clue. My wife's a first generation believer as well. And so for us to raise our kids, we did the best we knew how. But I think we overstepped sometimes. We were too, too controlling, too fear driven with our kids. So again, development is happening all the time. It's just a question of, are you in the driver's seat? I remember one time meeting with a pastor who, who basically said to me, uh, so what did you think of our church? You know, he had me visit and then he was going to have me preach that night. But he wanted me to visit as, a, as an observer so I could coach him. And I said, well, you know, your, ch your church is perfectly designed to achieve the results it's achieving. Which is kind of like it's either an insult or it's a it's a compliment, but but it's it's always true. The family you're leading is perfectly designed to achieve your results. Are you happy with the results? Then keep doing what you're doing. If you think you can improve those results, then you need to develop. <laughs> if you're going to develop others, 
And, and, you know, some of the mistakes I've made in pastoring have been, you know, I mean, people would say jokingly of me, Michael loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life, you know, but sometimes they didn't feel as well pastored as they could have because I did see them sometimes as utilities to get the job done rather than as people who have a destiny in Christ that I can help them grow into. So again, those mistakes are real. And, um, and again, you know, I think the Lord's reconciled it all. I mean, even some of the worst relationships have now come back together and we're friends, but, but still I look back over those years and thinking, wow, I could have used some better mentoring in my world to not have kind of created some of the challenges I created. Oh, thank, thanks for your vulnerability. And uh, uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to pray for those that are, sure. are watching and, and listening and will ask the spirit to move. But one, one last question I have for you is, you know, looking at spirit empowered leaders and raising up leaders, where, where maybe is your prayer, dream, goal? Where, where do you see it going? I mean, you've seen a lot of things over your life cycle. You've seen the shepherding movements and all these different um, movements. You've seen church growth movements and you've seen revivals. I, I think, you know, over a year there was extended moves of God you've been a part of nightly yeah. meetings, you know, similar to Asbert, you know, what's happening and we're hearing about. So you've been a part of those. You've been leading those. So you've seen all this and now you're, you know, with young generations raising up. Where, where do you, what's the goal? If you were to go, this is what I want to see happen or you mm -hmm. sense God saying, what's, what's kind of the, the dream? Yeah, I mean, obviously <clears throat> what I'm seeing happen at Asbury and the whatever, 25 other campuses right now and some key churches that are experiencing the same flow of the Holy Spirit, I'm super encouraged. Because I feel like, you know, I got saved at the very end of the last Jesus movement. Um, you know, the embers were still glowing. You know, there was still some warmth coming, but it wasn't in the heyday. You know, my wife was baptized, as, if you see the movie, at Corona Del Mar. You know, uh, she was in that place two years after that movie was, you know, the, that season ended there. Like the movie ended, but the, the revival kept going. Anyway. I've been praying for this revival for a long time. I believe we're on the verge of a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit. Um, what I think needs to happen is I think we need to be able to primarily move from a place where we just shepherd the revival to where we actually are apostles in the revival. Okay, what I mean by that is not replacing the 12 apostles of the Lamb or writing scripture, please. I'm talking about the 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 biblical use of that gift in our generation, that we need to understand that revival is not just about getting touched by God and laying on the floor or, you know, um, having some revelation or encounter with Jesus, which is all so wonderful. And I, I, I pray that I never stop having those encounters, but there really is a mission in the heart of God. And that is that none should perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth. And until the body of Christ realizes that the Holy Spirit's not just about us. Like if we sit and look in the eyes of Jesus and we understand that he's making eye contact with us and he's taking us in his arms and holding us and blessing us, hallelujah, I'm all for that. But pretty soon we're gonna realize as we look into his eyes that he's not just focused on us. That there's others that are really hurting right now. There's others that are bound by sin and bound by demonic 
possession. There's other people that are bound by lifestyle choices that they've made and that we're here not just to receive from him. We're here to bless them. And we need the presence and power of God to do so. And so the church needs to shift from being a me-centered, bless me organization where you're caring for me to being a bless the world and transform the world organization. And that requires that we mature. We mature in the Holy Spirit. We mature in our commitment to be a leader and a servant to others, a servant leader to others. And so that's really where the shift has to take place at this time. And I'm excited to be a part of it. I feel like some of the stuff we've developed can help with that. But I know also we're all moving that same direction, that the kingdom of God would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that the knowledge of the glory of God would fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. That's what we're longing for. And that takes leadership, spirit-led leadership to achieve that. Amen. And um, so I want you, those are listening or watching wherever you are, maybe you're on your treadmill or in your car or on an airplane or you're listening to this podcast, you see us, would you posture yourself to receive? And we just believe in the Spirit Empowered Leader podcast that this isn't just some some knowledge or, or information, but revelation that can change our lives. And so I, I just want to give an opportunity. Michael's going to pray, but we just believe that Holy Spirit's going to encounter every one of us. So wherever you're at as a leader, um, wherever you're feeling today, maybe there's discouragement or there's fear or there's doubt, all these things. Am I really a leader? Um, just, just posture your heart. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak right now to you. Yes, God. Father, we thank you that you know every single person on this call by name, that you know the hair number on their head, Lord. You know their height and their every aspect of who they are, how you wired them, the gift mix that you've placed within them, the passions that you've been cultivating in their heart for your kingdom. And I ask right now, Lord, that you would be that specific with each one. Yes. And that you, Holy Spirit, would just activate, mm. fill them afresh, Lord. Just cause that anointing to just begin to build in their hearts as I pray. Lord, I pray that you, God, would just lay your hands upon their head, Lord, that your anointing would flow into them. Even as you anointed Jesus, as you anointed the 12, mm -hmm. and as you anointed the 70, and they came back saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Lord, I pray that there would be that level of grace and anointing that would come upon each of them. And that you, Father, would just clarify the scope and this focus and the specialization of their leadership gift. Because we believe and we declare that every single follower of Jesus is a leader. It's just we're going to lead in different ways, in different environments, in different mm -hmm. settings. Yeah. But ultimately, we are representatives. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And that is the fusion of the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the skills that we develop as leaders to guide people individually into the fullness of their individual callings, but to guide families and businesses and schools and organizations and churches into their God-given purpose. So, Father, anoint us as men and women so that we could be instruments of your kingdom coming to earth, your will being done on earth as it is in heaven, so that your glory would be seen so that your fame would go 
out into the all, every single nation, every people group, every language, Lord. We pray that your glory would be revealed and that all men would see it together and that you, Jesus, would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And even, even as you were praying, I was just sensing um, God wants to break off fear in some of you that are listening today. Amen. Uh, some of you that might be afraid Amen. of of what it'll look like to take steps in leadership or afraid because of words that have been spoken over you. And so I just want to encourage those of you today who might be resonating with that, that perfect love casts out all fear. Uh, he loves so you. The Father loves you. He has a calling for your life. Um, yeah. Amen. Amen. That's such a good word. Thank mm. you. Yeah. So, Michael, um, I, I know for myself and I'm sure many listening, we'd love to connect with you somehow. Or I'm curious if you have some resources available. I know you've written a few books. Uh, do you want to mention those and just any way yeah. that people can connect with you? Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, DestinyFinder.com is the tool for personal development that we developed. It's got, you know, a ton of uh, aspects, including small group exercises. And, you know, your mentor can come in and see your results and work with you on that. We also have pastorscoach.com, which is a full service. We're actually about to launch another boot camp in, uh, gosh, about a month. Uh, it'll be the first part of, uh, of um, I think it's uh, April 16, we're, we're launching another boot camp, so tune into that. Um, I also have books. I have a Destiny Finder book. I have a book called Revival Culture, um, uh, Prepare for the Next Great Awakening, which hopefully is happening right now. And then we, I also have another book about the keys to church health. And this accompanies a, a, an assessment tool that we have for pastors online. So we have all these different things. We have about 500 hours of, of leadership training videos online that you can uh, partake of. And some of them are free and some of them are membership uh, accessed only. But again, we're trying to be as, as, as faithful in serving the body of Christ as we can and yet still cover our costs. And so anyway, God bless you guys. You can, you can find me uh, on Facebook and Instagram and uh, at Michael, Michael V. Brodeur or at Michael Brodeur. And, um, and then also CTF Leaders Alliance is one of the other ministries that we're leading. It's about 50 people to gather every week to explore leadership in every sphere of society. Leadersalliance.org is the, uh, the um, URL. Anyway, a lot. But um, awesome. we would just welcome you to join us in any of these things. And you can Google me too. Well, Michael, thank you so much. Um, such an honor, real honor to have you on. And when we thought of this podcast, we're like, we need Michael. And mm -hmm. so you have been a gift to me personally, but to the ministry of resurgence. And we are just so honored for your investment in us as a ministry, as a movement. Um, and we just, we pray such blessing over you in this season. Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm thankful. Yeah. Hopefully we'll, we'll connect again soon and be together in the same room. It's been a few years, yeah. but uh, no, no. excited for some more uh, um, interactions together and conferences together and, and, and uh, just so thankful for you. And yeah. So and God bless resurgence and just all those that are serving and gathering with you and your role in the greater body of Christ as you become a voice to the emerging generation, as well as just you, you come alongside, you know, many of the movements and denominations and groups that you've worked with. I just am so blessed to be connected to you. So may the Lord continue to use you guys to equip and empower his people for his purposes. 
Well, I know, Travis, you've had a lot of uh, opportunities to sit under Michael's teaching and learn from him. But I know this is for me, this is one of the first times I've really been able to hear from him and that I was so blessed uh, by what he shared. Uh, what stood out to you from today's conversation? Yeah, I think, you know, Michael has an incredible wisdom and he, you know, he talked about it a bit, but he, I mean, he's coaching a whole movement of leaders through Catch the Fire, the Leaders Alliance. Um, they have weekly calls. I've been on some of them. It, it's it's incredible. And then now he's with Jesus Culture. He was uh, at Bethel for years, now at Jesus Culture. He's just been involved in all these movements and I've seen, you know, Wimber back in the Vineyard days, for someone to know, there was a there's a big church movement called Vineyard that is still around today, and John Wimber had a big impact in that. And so, mm -hmm. uh, Michael Michael's been there to witness it. I think yeah. listening to him today, Donovan, and his perspective, I think you know he said I think he's 66 years old, and there's something about his length, even to go, hey, there's some some regrets, there's some things. I was about to ask him how vulnerability um, impacts how you lead family. And, and then he got right vulnerable and start sharing. Mm -hmm. and, and I know some of those things where he's kind of said, okay, how did I, how did I lead my family? How did I lead this? How do you know? And I just think for a leader to be able to do that, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm learning from that because I'm going, wow, like Michael, where do you see things going and how do you, how do you invest in people? And I don't know. I was just kind of the whole, like, it, it's not one thing. It's almost like what you caught from him today. Uh, I'm the engineer in me connects because he's like systems and processes and spreadsheets. I love that. And oh. we've had him come and he has like the circle of leaders and then you need a bigger circle. And then you need, and I'm just like, okay, and we're diagramming and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. But yet he's also about the spirit and mm -hmm. um, people see him as that. And he gets up on the stage at our, our conference we had him at and it was, he was calling out words and healing and it was incredible what God was doing. So it's, it's so cool. He's got like two people in one. It's amazing. Yeah. And I was really blessed by that. I think it's, um, sadly, it's kind of rare to see somebody who's so gifted in both, both of those spheres, the structure and being spirit led, but I'm really encouraged that it's possible. And uh, I think what stood out to me from, from our talk today was just what he talked about developing leaders, uh, having that mindset of like, how are we pouring into those that God's given us the privilege to lead, uh, whether that's in a church setting, a ministry setting, but also in the marketplace. Uh, I, I think I was really impacted just by, by how that mindset could actually impact culture beyond just the church. And, uh, and so whether you're a leader in the church or wherever you are, that whole idea of how do I lead the people that God's put in my life and that that idea as a family, uh, I think there's a lot that can be said about that. And I know that Resurgence, we're passionate about leaders in every sphere. Uh, do you want to speak to that a little bit more, Travis? Yeah, we, we, we believe there's a leader in every chair and wherever you're called to lead, God has uh, put a spirit in you and he he wants to help you lead lead the people lead your family lead those around you and i think it all comes back donovan to what, what michael said at the beginning um mm -hmm. being spirit empowered leader being spirit led starts at being led ourselves yeah i i so think good. before we can have any other podcast and any other conversation like mm -hmm. like it it is oh we can talk about people but how are you, how is self-control the fruit of the spirit? How are you self-governed? Um, mm -hmm. how do you know your destiny, your calling? How, how are you with insecurity and control and all those things he kind of talked about? I think is mm -hmm. for first and foremost key, crucial. 
Um, and I found that I know you found that in our conversations. It, oh, yeah. It's just, it's just vital. And so it, it's easy to talk about rooms and stadiums and business rooms and, and, and kids and everything else of people we're leading. But I, I think it's this reminder today that family and all of that, it comes out of where our hearts are at, where we're leading ourselves. God, uh, lead me today. Uh, thank you that it's a new day and that you're in me. And would you speak to the wounds I have in my heart and heal them? Mm. And um, I just have found, and, and I know you found, Donovan, that if we've got wounds, then, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And, yeah. and you lead out of those wounds that if you don't deal with those things, mm -hmm. if you're not led by the spirit, first and foremost, us, then it's really hard to lead others well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that the the people that we lead, every day are looking for a leader who's whole they're looking for wholeness they're looking for healing they're looking for hope and um and so i think that the impact that we can make wherever we go whatever sphere we're in whatever place we are if we are being led by the spirit out of wholeness god's gonna do amazing things through us and uh, i know we're, we're still just at the beginning of the conversation about the spirit empowered leader and, and i'm just so excited to see how we keep unpacking this in the weeks to come yeah. Yeah. So I want to thank you for joining us today to the, for the Spirit Empowered Leader podcast. And we would love you to share this with everyone you know. If you know someone that's that's on this journey, um, we're on this journey. We're on this together. We don't have it figured out. We don't have six easy steps to become a Spirit Empowered Leader. Um, if you have those, please send them in. Um, but we're, we're figuring it out. And so yeah. it is raw. It is real. It is us trying to figure this out. And we're talking to some friends along the way. Um, and we're just kind of, we're on this journey to go, God, help us become that spirit and power leader you called us to be in whatever mm -hmm. sphere we're supposed to be in. And mm -hmm. those destiny moments that form us, we thank you for them, but, but help us, teach us. And there's this attitude of, Lord, we need to learn and be mm -hmm. teachable. And um, I think we saw that demonstrated today through Michael. And, and so invite you, if you want to learn more about Resurgence, liveresurgence.com. You can click on podcast there and there's more about all the other episodes we have. Hit subscribe. Uh, we're found wherever podcasts are. I know there's some million places that you can get a podcast these days. But um, follow us on social media. Uh, we love to hear from you as well on our website. You can you can follow and you can uh, get a hold of us. Let us know how you've been enjoying these podcasts. If you could write a review on iTunes or Spotify, that would be the world to us to just have you review our podcast and let others know about it. It would be so amazing. So again, until next time, we're so blessed that you've joined us today. And we pray that you would be empowered by the Spirit as you lead wherever you are. Thank you for listening to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast. We hope that this podcast has encouraged you as an empowered leader. This podcast is brought to you by Resurgence Initiatives. Our mandate is to revive churches, release leaders, and reach people. We are on a journey, and the dream God has put in our heart involves you. Learn more at liveresurgence.com or on Instagram at liveresurgence.